If you're like me and you're torn between the love my body at any size movement and the, if I love my body, I need to make healthier choices to feel good too thought process, then you're in the right place. It's every day now that someone out there is telling us the next best thing on TikTok or Instagram ads are showing us another shortcut and it is exhausting. How about we heal our relationship with our bodies, exercise and food and give ourselves grace along the way. Let's do this together and celebrate the small stuff. Welcome to A Healthy Dose with Sadie Tolbert. Today, we are going to talk about the immune system and what it is, how to strengthen it. Can you strengthen it? What weakens an immune system? What is autoimmune? Like, what is all this stuff? Can you be immune to something? Anyway, let's get started. I figured we'd begin talking a little bit more about the medical side of things and just kind of put some things out there, set something straight, kind of talk about a lot that I saw in the ER and in the clinic when it comes to things like the common cold and um, the side effects that bother people the most. And so let's just say you have some cold system symptoms, coughing, running nose, maybe a fever, maybe not, body aches, things like that. You feel terrible. You feel like you were hit by a truck. How do you know what kind of bug you've got? You know, is it bacteria? Is it viral? Where did it come from? You weren't around anybody that was sick. How did you pick it up? You know, things like that. And then do you need medication? What are you supposed to take when it comes to feeling like that? So, When I worked in the clinic, I had two doctors that I was with, and when I first started answering phone calls and somebody said, hi, I'd like to make an appointment, I'm sick, I put them on the calendar, I put them on the schedule. I slowly (laughs) realized that the doctors didn't like that. They want me to do a little bit more on the phone with them to see if they really need an actual appointment. So a little bit more evaluation, a few more questions to ask see what they've been doing at home to try to feel better before them making an appointment and taking the doctor's time. So I learned to ask the questions like, what, you know, did you get a fever? What temperature did you get to? Some people will define a fever as anything above 98.6. That is not the medical uh, definition of a fever. So for kids, they always say, you know, basically if they're warm at all, bring them in. But we're always going to ask the first question, did you treat the fever? Did you do anything to try to lower it? Did you, um, you know, give them a cool bath or try a popsicle or give Tylenol or do X, Y, Z? And, you know, how high was it? How long was the fever? Things like that. Um, 101 is a fever, like point blank. You can come into my ER and say, I'm a 99.8 and that's a fever for me. And I'm here to tell you, it's not, I don't care what your normal temperature is. We will not call you a fever until you're at that point. And if you've taken Tylenol, it still hasn't gone down. That's not cause for us to truly be concerned. If this is for a child and somebody's like, oh, I'm worried about 
a seizure with the fevers, that's not something that is going, it's not very common for one. And it's not something that's going to like have like happen, even if the kid got a little bit high, you know, immediately. So it is something to be aware of. You want to recognize if your child's has a fever, you want to try all those natural ways to try to lower it. You want to give them Tylenol. See if you can kind of bring it down on your own. If it doesn't go down and they are not acting like themselves, that's a different story. But a fever is the body's natural way to try to burn off this bug. It's it's a natural defense mechanism to try to help you feel better. A fever is not an enemy. It is not something to be terrified of. It is something to keep an eye on and have like a healthy respect, just like fire. <laughs> fire is not a bad thing, but we want to have a healthy respect for fire so that it doesn't get carried away and doesn't cause destruction. But fire can be a good thing. So that's how I want you to think about a fever. A fever does not indicate that you have a bacterial infection. It does not indicate that you need like any sort of antibiotics or anything like that. Little kids will just spontaneously spike a fever for no reason, especially if they're teething. So the fever is something that I want you to kind of look at what are your thoughts about it? What questions do you have? Do you fear it? Are you, you know, a person that freaks out? But then I don't want to sit here and advise you to be like, oh, nonchalant, don't even worry about a fever. And then something does happen. So just have that healthy like respect with it and really keep an eye on it and always trust your gut and your instincts, especially if you're a parent, we're talking about a kid here. Moving on from a fever, body aches. Really what that is, is it's just your muscles being tired. Your body is working really hard to fight off whatever bug this is. It's using all of its energy to attack this, you know, army that's invading your body. So it doesn't have a lot of this energy to focus on rebuilding muscles or, or, you know, you want to sleep, you want to rest, you want to recover. So the body aches are really just kind of a side effect from that. I don't never really spend a whole lot of time thinking about body aches as like an indicator that it's the flu or that it's, you know, one of the other specific kinds of viruses. Like it's just another symptom that shows up anytime. Now, when it comes to having a stuffy nose or having a runny nose or having a, uh, really thick, you know, mucus and things like that. Anything to do with like your sinus cavities. Um, there's a couple of telltale signs that we would look for that could indicate a sinus infection. So a couple of things do not mean that it is for sure a sinus infection or not for sure a sinus infection, but these can indicate might want to treat it with antibiotics. We would get people coming in swearing up and down they have a sinus infection. I know my body. I know when I have an infection. I know I need antibiotics. And some of my doctors would go ahead and just give it to them even if they didn't agree because it was more of a placebo effect. But there is like some stuff to worry about taking too many antibiotics throughout your life. You can become resistant to them. And so when you really need those antibiotics in later years in life because your immune system is now super, super old, then you can't take half of the antibiotics out there because you are resistant to it and you can only take the ones that are more harsh on your body which again is going to be harder on your older body so keep that in mind when it comes to antibiotics don't go begging or asking them to prescribe them to you you probably aren't indicated for them and there's other things that you can do natural remedies other medications you can take to help with that but back to the signs of 
the sinus that would indicate more often that it's a sinus infection is going to be kind of that brown mucus, um, not the neon green mucus. That I know it seems very, very foreign to be coming out of a human body, but that does not indicate infection. Um, if it's very thick and goopy, that can also kind of paint the picture to lean in that direction. As well as that pain, if you lean forward and kind of put your body sort of parallel to the ground, your face parallel to the ground, you have a lot of that pressure and that pain in the front of your sinus cavity and your cheekbones, that could indicate more of an infection. So if you pair all of that stuff together, maybe a fever, you know, things like that, your teeth hurting and aching, stuff like that, that can mean that it more likely is an infection and would be, you know, better to have antibiotics than not. So another thing that's going to aggravate your sinuses is going to be those telltale allergies, all of the things that people can be allergic to from the outdoor tree pollen, flowers, things that is outside to something that you may eat that can cause you to have some sinus flare up, runny nose, infection, or not necessarily infections. It can lead to infection, especially if you have like any other raw or issues in your sinus cavities. And then also I will kind of warn you guys, there are a lot of good benefits to rinsing out your sinus cavities, um, but you do want to be careful that you are doing it cleanliness. So, so if you have like a dirty neti pot, or if you have a dirty uh, nasal spray or something like that, now you're spraying that up into a nasal cavity that's inside your body that can breed infection. And so make sure that you are keeping an eye on cleaning out the things that you own in your home for this type of things. But it can be a very good tool to help clear out a lot of that junk. So also make sure you are following those directions very carefully with what type of water to use, you know, if there's a solution, things like that. You don't even need the solution necessarily, but follow the directions, especially if you're prescribed something along those lines. So allergies can be from pet dander, pet saliva, all kinds of things. And this is something that you can actually keep a good eye on for your body with allergies by consuming a lot of anti-inflammatory foods and really taking care of that like gut health and your overall stress response and things like that because it, those are all going to exacerbate and create new allergies. So I've seen people who were allergic to something and then they worked on their gut health, worked on their body, worked on their stuff, and they're no longer allergic to it. That has happened. It's just, you know, like people spontaneously getting rid of cancer. Usually they've done something that, you know, made it heal itself. So look into it for yourself, but don't think that it's just something that everybody can do. But allergies are often mistaken as a cold because they can manifest and look like a cold. You can cough, you can have some respiratory issues with allergies, but ultimately, kind of trying to decide, is this allergies or is this a cold, is basically how you treat it. If you are treating your cold with allergy medicine and it's not getting any better, then it's probably cold. If you're treating a cold with allergy medicine or vice versa, whatever I said, the opposite, that's how you can kind of decide if it is one or the other. Um, sometimes you can take medicine all day and you can do all the things right and it's not going to make it get any better. And there is a lot of unknown in this realm. I just want to try to steer you towards the things that you can pay attention to and the things that you can do just to give yourself a better 
chance at success here. So we talked about some of the natal symptoms, fever, body aches, now a cough. This is basically your body's automatic response to try to get junk out. And so every cough that you do, every time that you sneeze or have any of these automatic response things, it's your body trying to rid that invasion and get it out. Depending on where in your lungs it is affecting it the most, the lower lobes, the upper lobes, are do you have any of that like bronchitis? So anything with the ending of itis means inflammation. So if you have inflammation of your bronchioles, bronchitis, you are going to maybe sound kind of rough when you're coughing. It's going to sound like really yucky. Is your cough dry, meaning that there's not any junk that you're coughing up, or is it wet, meaning that there could be some junk in there? This can all lead to a precursor of something called pneumonia. Now, people will say you can catch pneumonia, but it's not something that I could pass to you. If I have pneumonia, I can't pass pneumonia to you. I can pass the cold that led to pneumonia to you. But pneumonia is something that you develop based on an infection in your lungs. And it's with usually pooling of the mucus that is infected. And so that is treated with antibiotics. The way that we know that it's pneumonia is by listening and to the lungs with the stethoscope and really hearing how wet it is and basing it off of all of your other symptoms and things like that. So we hear a little bit more of that, like, you know, wet and that crackle and things like that in the lungs. And so you can develop pneumonia if you've been treating or if you've been having a cold for a super long time, or if you've got, you know, any sort of compromise, like your smoker or things like that. So just as a, an FYI, and next time you hear somebody say, oh, you're going to catch pneumonia, like, okay, I could develop pneumonia. But anyway, we don't need to correct people right on the spot, but it is something just to keep in mind in the back of your mind. So coughing, you could have a lingering cough for a long time. Again, it could be tied in with some allergies as well. So it's annoying. It's frustrating. Some of the things that you can do for that is basically if it's a dry cough, you want to wet the air. So get a humidifier. If it's a wet cough, you might want a dehumidifier. You can do any sort of oils or anything that's going to um, provoke some of that like deeper breathing, kind of cleaning it out. So peppermint, eucalyptus, anything in those realms, rosemary, um, you can brew your own, <laughs> uh, concoction of, of scents to breathe in and out and, and, uh, boil water. So you can breathe in that warm steam liquid. You can do steam showers, a lot of those things just to kind of help clean that out and just breathe really deeply. Um, and that's pretty much it with the, with the coughing. It's definitely one of the more annoying aspects. All of these side effects are annoying, but you just want to make sure that you're taking care of it. Back to the itis. If anybody says I have laryngitis, that's inflammation of your larynx. So people typically can have like that scratchy voice. You can have pharyngitis. That's inflammation of your pharynx. So different um, pieces of that whole like windpipe all the way down can get inflamed for different reasons. If somebody has strep throat, that is caused by the streptococcus uh, strain. And that's the actual um, bug. And that can come up, come it, tripping over words here. This is real life, people. I don't edit. The throat will have white patches and it'll be really hard to swallow. This can mimic in other forms of colds where you can have that 
same thing going on where it's really hard to swallow, things like that, but it doesn't mean that it's strep. Typically in the clinic setting, we're gonna test the back of your throat and see if it's strep. There's a couple of different kinds of strep, strep A, strep B, and strep D. There's multiple, but we only test for like the first, mainly first two. Um, there's been a few patients that had just this chronic, you know, sore throat. We test for A and B, they were negative. We test for C and they were positive, but it's a different, like not as common strain, if that makes sense. So strep throat is treated with antibiotics. So that is a really frustrating aspect. Can you have strep at the same time that you have other things? Absolutely. Because as your body is fighting one bug, it makes you more open to catching a second one. So if you've ever thought back in your life where you're like, oh my gosh, I had COVID and then I had the flu and then I was sick for like three months later, it's because your immune system tanked with that first one and then it just couldn't get back to normal and you just picked up every little bug that was out there. And so you just became a magnet. People who are autoimmune or who are battling cancer or have major you know, disease processes going on in their body always live in that, that frame. And it can be really frustrating for them. That's why they're still wearing masks. That's why they're out there at the grocery stores wearing gloves and kind of looking like a little crazy. It's because they don't want to get sick. I mean, they're protecting themselves. Like they may or may not care about, you know, the political agendas and all these other things, but like they want to protect themselves. And so let them be, let them do whatever they're going to do because you don't know their history and you don't know what's going on. So when all of that stuff went down and everybody was still like laughing and making fun of people that were still wearing masks, blah, blah, blah. It just always hurt my heart because I was like, you don't know what that person is battling. They could be battling some severe anxiety and you don't know. Like it's not nice to sit here and assume what's going on in somebody else's world. So if it makes you feel better, just think of all those people that are still worried like that as being immunocompromised and that if they catch a simple cold, it could kill them. So think of it like that way. Maybe you'll have more grace for other people. So moving back to the immune system and just catching every little thing. Um, there are a lot of your cells that have to do with your immune system in your gut microbiome, in that bacteria in your gut. When we are sick, we go for comfort foods, right? Like we've always heard that grab the chicken noodle soup and, and like, you know, get some comfort food. A lot of times we'll go after the fast food because it's easy and quick or we won't eat at all, but we need good energy in order to fight this off. As hard as it can be to get up and make food, you've got to have good nutrient dense food when you are sick. And if you throw in that really highly salty soup, even though it's nice and warm and it feels good, now you are throwing your body into a deficit, needing more water. And when you are sick, absolutely 100% of the time, you need to drink water more than normal. Drink your body weight in water. Just go to town. You want to make sure that you are flushing it out of every cell in your body, in your entire system. So if you throw in a bunch of extra sodium from a soup or anything else like that, you now are causing a deficit and that is not good. I'm not telling you that having soup is the worst thing in the world when you're sick. I'm just saying make sure you're keeping up with your water intake. There is some science behind the ingredients in chicken noodle soup that 
does help with the healing process. And a lot of times you, it's, there's some good bone broth in there and there's also some good collagen and stuff in certain soups. So it can be good for healing. Um, but you can also make your own. You can also go in a different direction with getting those other nutrients for healing. You want to make sure you're high on protein. Protein is a building block for healing your body and not just for muscles. It's for all the cells in your body. You need to have that protein. So make sure you are getting good protein in. Make sure that you are staying nutrient dense. We always think of vitamin C. I was definitely going to take take time to talk about vitamin C in this podcast because it is a very like no-brainer for a lot of people that vitamin C is important in our immune system. Now, a couple things that I've learned about vitamin C throughout all of my research. We were trained to think that oranges and citrus is like absolutely the vitamin C kings and queens, all of the things. But there is actually a higher amount of vitamin C in things like strawberries. There's vitamin C in spinach. There's vitamin C in a lot of these other fruits and vegetables that you wouldn't think of being super high because we were taught so much that it was the citrus that was the main deal. So when you are picking out vitamin C to drink in either like a prevention mode or in a, hey, I'm sick, I'm gonna go buy some orange juice. Remember, those juices are super high in sugar. If you've ever juiced a plain orange, it really doesn't taste very sweet. It doesn't taste super great because the juice that we were brought up in from the grocery stores and gas stations and stuff are super high in sugar. That's what makes it taste better and not quite as sour and things like that. So running to the store to get orange juice because you're sick is going to basically do the opposite a little bit because of all that extra sugar. Sugar is inflammatory. So when you are adding extra sugar, even if it's like, you know, fructose sugar or just like low sugar, orange juice, things like that, you're still giving yourself a taking a step backwards in your healing process because you're adding inflammation to what your body's naturally trying to inflame to clear out the bacteria. So just keep that in mind when you are looking for vitamin C. There are tons of great supplements out there that you can do. There's tons of you know natural ways that you can get vitamin C. Just make sure you're not compromising by going over the top with sugar on you know everything else. It's the same thing like, I mean, I'll throw this in here in this, but like if you are on, if you're female and you're on your cycle and you're like, I want chocolate, well, you're already going to inflame because of your cycle. That's you know, just a part of the natural process. So if you add sugar to it, you're just making that process worse. So just keep that stuff in mind. I'm not saying a little bit is going to kill you, but keep that in the forefront of your mind. So when it comes to preventing a cold or working on healing and stuff, remember to keep it low anti-inflammatory stuff. Keep it as natural nutrient dense as possible. Go high in protein, watch your sodium, increase your water. Some of the other things that you can consider, uh, elderberry is a natural berry out there that is really good for healing. You don't want to overdo it. Make sure when you're looking for an elderberry syrup or something like that, again, it's not super high in sugar. I've had some patients some people that I've met that make their own elderberry popsicles and their kids love them. They taste great. You know, 
throw something else in there that you enjoy. Like if you want to do elderberry and pineapple, great. That sounds delicious. Maybe sneak a beet in there. I don't know. Make it into a smoothie. Whatever the case may be, but elderberry has a lot of good properties in it, as does pineapple. Pineapple is really good for ridding out bacteria. Uh, honey is another more natural way of killing off bacteria. This is super high in, you know, sugar. <laughs> so make sure that you are being cautious with that as well. And, you know, a little bit here and there can kind of help, especially if you, say, have a, uh, like, lemon water with honey and lemon. Um, lemon water, honey, you can do like teas, chamomile tea, you can do, uh, different like variations of that. If you want to add some ginger, ginger is really good for helping with colds. Um, and again, just try to get as much nutrients in there as possible and find those, uh, flavor palettes that you like. I don't love peppermint tea. I love peppermint, but peppermint tea just does something weird that I don't like. <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it, but I found other things that taste phenomenal to me, like, especially like honey with chamomile and like a little bit of lemon in there or finding a lavender tea. Ooh, that's super delicious to me. So find something that works well for you. Make sure you're sleeping and taking the time to rest for your immune system to get back up on its feet. If you are pushing yourself and like I've done this, you know, I need to get healthy tomorrow. I have so many things tomorrow. I got knocked down with the flu for the first time in forever because, and this isn't a discussion about vaccinations, but it was a year that I didn't get a flu vaccination. And so I caught the flu probably from the dirty handle of a shopping cart. I don't know. I'm not meticulous about wiping everything down and washing my hands every five minutes, but you can pick up something like that from anywhere. Maybe you're in the grocery store and you grabbed a, a you know, gallon of milk and somebody before you had it in their cart with their dirty hand and put it back. You will never know. Always wash your fruits and vegetables, by the way, or anything that you put directly into your mouth. So the point of that is that you can get and catch the bug from all over. There's not a whole lot you can do except for working to keep your immune system strong, eating healthy, and really taking care of your body, your mind, your spirit, all of the things. It all adds up. I still feel like I've got a lot that I can talk about, but I'm a little bit over my time that I usually try to keep these under. So I can consider doing maybe a part two later. I want to hear some feedback. So if you found this helpful, or if you feel like you want to learn more or other ways to really um, dive a little bit deeper, then just send me a message and let me know that that's something that you're interested in. So thank you so much for listening today. Be well and take care of your health. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you haven't yet, please subscribe for more and leave a review. If you got something great out of today, please share with your family and friends. And as always, please remember to consult with your primary care provider if you have any questions or concerns. This podcast is meant to be educational and based off of my experience. Have a great day. You are unique and amazing and beautiful.